And now the show that's all about real estate and a little bit about everything else. Hosted by two guys that are too embarrassed to admit in public how long they've been investing in real estate. It is the Investor Guys podcast with host Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills. And we're back. And in the past, we talked about tax credits. Both of us love tax credits. And, and yeah. just a real quick review, if you make a certain percentage of your property available for low-income housing, you get tax credits. What those tax credits are, very based upon where you are, very based upon the cost of the housing, very based upon where in the city you are, what city it is, what state it is, other things. But look into that when you are going to be in that situation tax credits are great whether you need them or not tax credits are something that you can actually carry forward they are something that you can actually exchange as cash uh to other people who have a tax burden that they need to meet now one of the things that i'm always talking about is is minimizing our tax burden legally ethically morally one of the things that i do do is i pay taxes on a number of companies for a specific reason because it is easier for me to provide my taxes when I'm trying to get financing, then to have to provide the books and everything else uh, for review. I can literally provide taxes for the last three years. They can see what we claimed as income for that particular business. So I have a number of businesses that I claim taxes on. And most of the other businesses, I minimize my tax burden, my tax debt for each of them legally, ethically, the right way. Uh, the other benefit to that is if the IRS is looking at me, they're not saying, oh, he's got all these companies and he doesn't pay any taxes. They can see that I'm paying taxes on some companies and that I'm doing everything the way I'm supposed to do. Even if I get audited on one of those companies and it passes because it was done legally, it is still a royal pain to deal with because you don't get your time back. You don't get the money back that you're going to hire for, for an auditor to take care of your side of this or an attorney or anything else. Um, the IRS will tie up six, seven, eight months of your time doing an audit, run up a huge bill on your side so that you can defend yourself and then walk away and say, yeah, you passed, no problem. But the problem is, is they incurred a huge debt for you that they will not be responsible for. So that's the other reason why I like to pay taxes on a number of different companies. A lot of local businesses, local, I don't say businesses, local charities, um, they have a 401c3, 401c4 um, designation. So it's churches, uh, the Salvation Army is one of them. In California, I worked with Union Rescue Mission. They are always looking for uh, a situation where they can put somebody who's gone through one of their programs into housing so that they can get started. And they're typically looking for like a one bedroom. Sometimes they're looking for two bedrooms because they work with a lot of like single mothers, uh, one bedrooms and two bedrooms that they can get for very little. They've got a voucher program, but it is a very, very small amount. You can get that voucher and you can, you can pay your, your own bills with that voucher. What I like to do is I take those through companies where I pay taxes because it is a 401c uh, designation, I can write off my taxes because I can show it as a donation. So I donate that space to the local church. I donate that space to the Salvation Army, to whatever local uh, organization it is that needs it. And instead of getting a voucher that might be worth, say, one third to one half of what the market rent is, I can write off 100% of market rent. And I can do that on my taxes. So rather than paying taxes, and I'm not able to write off 100% of what that is 
on my taxes. I'm only able to write off a percentage of that, but that's fine because out of say 20 companies, I'm paying taxes on maybe four. So I can absorb that across the board. Uh, and it still shows that that is what my income was when I file my taxes. So even though I've got those write-offs, I'm not giving it to Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. I'm putting that money back into the community versus leaving it up to Uncle Sam to take care of you know whatever government crap they're gonna do with it. I'm putting it directly back where I feel it's needed. I'm in control of that. Then yep. I'm telling Uncle Sam, this is what I did with your tax dollars and it's perfectly legal. Uh, and then again, I can show that taxes were accrued. I didn't pay any taxes. I would have if I had not made those donations, but I'm able to show that that's a tax burden that I was able to. So when I'm ready to get financing for that particular company, it shows how much income we made. And I'm able to control where the money is spent and how the money is spent. And I'm giving it to organizations that I believe in and that I'm involved in. And that's how I like to do tax credits, uh, in addition to, like I said, making certain portions of regular housing available for low-income housing. What are your experiences with this bill? Well, on a lot of tax credit programs, especially when you're looking at, it doesn't have to be low income. There, there's a very uh, strong tax credit program that's referred to as moderate income. Uh, and when you're building construction for units, if you're building a multifamily units, you can get these uh, moderate income housing tax credits, and they're huge. Um, they're, they're very, um, very profitable for you. But in doing that, as you meant, they actually have cash value. Now, a tax credit is a credit off of our taxes when they're due, but also they are assignable. I think you mentioned that, and this is where they have cash value. They are assignable. And when you're assigning them to someone, they don't have a percentage of value, oh, uh, 50%. No, they're, they're dollar for dollar because that person's gonna be able to have 100% of the benefit of that tax credit. Now, a lot of people complain that uh, millionaires, big corporations never pay taxes. And the reason is, not because there's not taxes due, but so many times when taxes are due, look, you, you don't wait till uh, April the 14th and you know hammer your taxes out and go, oh, wow, oh, taxes. You know, they know going into the fourth quarter, uh, they've got a pretty good idea. And by the time they get to mid-December, they know almost to the penny what their tax bill is gonna be, which allows them the opportunity to be able to go out and, and meet with their tax preparers and say, okay, I've got, pick a number. I, I've got uh, $68,000 worth of taxes due April 15th. Okay, now, Mr. Tax Preparer CPA, my tax accountant, what can I spend that money on now before the year is over with so that I don't have to pay that $68,000 to Uncle Sam? Can I buy another piece of property? Can I buy a piece of equipment? What can I do? Can I just donate it to my favorite charity or to my church or to my community? There's a lot of things you can do where you get, as you were mentioning, direct control and you get benefit from it instead of just handing it over to uh, the guys in Washington. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on in that battle. Um, I don't agree with what they do with about 90% of our money to begin with. Uh, and haven't, as long as I can remember voting, uh, which goes back to 
Jimmy Carter, and we're, we're seeing those kind of days again. Uh, so it gives you the ability to control that. So if, you, if you're paying taxes, if you're a real estate investor and you have a tax bill due to Uncle Sam, you need to have a conversation with your tax preparer and you need to have it prior to the end of the year so that you can say, hey, what can I do here so that I get some benefit out of this money that I'm going to hand over to these people that spend it on God knows what. Uh, so I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of controlling where this money goes and let them tell you the things that you can do. And you're going to be surprised at some of the benefits that you can get uh, for yourself and your company can get for itself without having to hand that money over to the IRS. And the IRS looks at it and goes, hey, you know what? Everything you did was perfectly spot on, no problem. And, and we'll see you again next year. Talk to you again when your next tax return comes out. And we're pretty much done with the show as far as time goes. But just to wrap it up, I want to point out that these, these strategies put us in a position to profit, okay? We are building properties that we're going to own that are going to appreciate don't kid yourself, we can easily build these properties and acquire properties and make them available for low income and still benefit. We can still make a profit. We might not make the 50 or 60% that we want. We may be closer to 30, we may be closer to 35 or 40, but we're still going to make a profit. And you know what? One of the things that we need to do to be good stewards of our planet and of our, our, our fellow man is to be a part of these programs is to give back in this manner. Um, this isn't going to be our only strategy. We've got other strategies that are going to be strong. They're going to be able to carry us through, but this is still an income strategy. This is still going to put money in our pocket. Sometimes it can put 60, 70, 80% or more, depending upon what we're doing and where we are and how we do it. Uh, but pay attention to this, unfortunately much overlooked or ignored. Yeah strategy, this, this, this niche in the market that so many investors just don't want to get involved in. And then pay attention to the investors that are involved in this niche. You'll find out that it is large home builders. It is big investors. There are big companies that are focused on this niche. It's just they literally cannot keep up with it. That's where we come in. Uh, we're not going to be able to, to eliminate it either because it's a growing problem, but it's something that we can take advantage of and give back at the same time. So it's an opportunity for us to yep. feel good about what we're doing, and we should, okay? And for us to provide something for our, our, our fellow humans that need this assistance. Closing thoughts, Bill? I, I love the theme of today, and, and I hope everybody takes that to heart. Um, there's a ton of free money. There's a ton of low-income money or low-interest money, excuse me, out there, typically evolving around some form of low-income housing. Get down to your housing authority, get down to your city council, your city planners, and find out what's available uh, and what you can do to be a part of it. Your URL one more time. Was that thousand families? Thousand thousandfamilyinitiative.com. Thousandfamilyinitiative.com. Okay. Is that one zero 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 or T H O U? Yes. Okay. So That's one zero 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 initiative family initiative thousandfamilyinitiative.com. Okay, and I'm going to go check out that website because I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. And uh, following shows, these next coming weeks, we are going to do different types of strategies that work well for this, but they work well for anything. We're going to do a show specific on each one of those. Some of the ones to look forward to is repurposing space, like what we talked about today, modular homes. We're going to talk about container structures 
and we're going to talk yeah. about 3D printing. Uh, one of the things that I am going to be getting into big time this particular year. So we will see you all back here on Thursday. Again, Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Happy 2022 to you as well, Bill. I know I'm going to be twisting you, my, over my tongue saying 2022 so much this year. Uh, have a great week and lots and lots of success to all of you. We'll see you Thursday. Happy New Year, Bill. And everybody else, it is 2022. Yay. Oh, my gosh. And uh, this is our first show of 2022. Investor Guys Podcast. I'm Kevin Mills. This is Bill Barnett here next to me. And uh, Happy New Year's. We wished each other Happy New Year's already, but Happy New Year's again, uh, officially on air. And uh, Happy New Year's to all of you who are watching us, whether you are return viewers or listeners or this is your first time. Uh, welcome to 2022 and Happy New Year. Hope you had a great one there, Bill. I did, sir. And you, I had uh, my boys, uh, my my two younger ones, my 30-year-old uh, was slammed at Amazon, so he wasn't able to get down, but had the two younger ones and uh, it was incredible. We had uh, my middle son, my 20-year-old had a party to go to and my 16-year-old forego uh, parties to hang around with dad on New Year's Eve and watch football. So uh, we had a great time uh, watching a couple of great the playoff semifinal games, an Alabama game, of course, and uh, had fun with that. And, and uh, so, yeah, it was a great way to get the year started. And, hey, here's to 2022. Yes. The year that, I don't know um, America gets taken back by Americans. That would be nice. But until then, we can make sure that we take back our America and we can make sure that we take back our destinies and control our destinies by investing in real estate. And if you watched our last couple of shows of the year, we talked about uh, resolutions and goals and putting yourself together to be in a position to take control of your finances of your your investing strategies what you want to do for not just for 2022 but moving forward in your life as far as it goes is investing and everything else so if you didn't check out those shows go back and check those out those are the last couple ones that we did for the year uh but literally if you have money in your pocket and you know you've got money coming in next month and the month after and the month after then you are in control of your destiny. You are not worried like a lot of other people are out there. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is both of us. It was actually Bill's idea. Mm -hmm. I love the idea. So I'm committed to it as well. Um, We are making a commitment to provide, I think Bill is going to do a thousand new uh, low income units for 2022. I'm going to try to do at least a thousand as well. Um, I'm going to hand it off to Bill, though, explain your vision, and then let's talk about different types of low-income housing, because we talk about Section 8 all the, all the, all the time, and there are other low-income housing options, and there are also ways that we as investors can provide low-income housing and still benefit from it as far as tax benefits, as far as income, as far as other things, too. Uh, So I'm going to hand that off to Bill so he can explain his vision, because I'm on board with it, but it was his vision, uh, so he can explain it to us best. Well, I'm calling it the Thousand Family Initiative. And uh, thanks to you, I got the, the domain, thousandfamilyinitiative.com. 
And I'm also um, picking up, I got to confirm that this is available just thousandfamilies.com. Um, but in back at the end of June, the Low Income Housing Council put out a report that really impacted uh, our business. We were focused, you and I were focused on, and what our consulting is mostly focused on, or has been, mine certainly still is, um, and I know yours is as well, is helping low-income families get into property because so many investors over the last 20 years have run away from low-income housing, and they've done it because of things that were true in the past that are no longer true, and so they haven't kept up with low-income housing. Once they turned their back on it, they kept their back turned, and so things have changed in low-income housing across the board that make it a very desirable place to be, and so I was uh, looking at this report from uh, the Council of Low-Income Housing, and I knew it was a big problem being able to have enough low-income housing until I read the report. And as big as I thought it was, I wasn't scratching the surface. Nobody, not a single state in our country uh, is any better than about 50% of the housing available compared to the demand. So if you and I, as an investor in anything, didn't matter if you were selling popcorn, if you were selling cars, whatever, if you have a business and the product that you have has a marketplace that only has a 50% supply, that's a great marketplace to be in. Uh, in some of the states, they're at 48, 49, and some of them they're at 60. Uh, and that being 60% being the deficit, not the amount of supply they have. And so when you can look at a market and you can have that kind of demand in that market, it's a great market to go into. That's a business principle, period. When you apply that to real estate with the markups that we get and with the rentals that we get, thanks to the low income housing environment around the country set up by the federal government and in many cases uh, supplemented by state and local counties, uh, even more money than that. Uh, it is an incredible place to be. And you're doing a super service to Americans who are not quite as fortunate uh, in the socioeconomic world as you and I are. And so uh, that really popped into, uh, hey, let's do a thousand families through the course of the year. Uh, that's going to be 500 units at their duplexes. I don't do single rentals any longer. I haven't done those in a while. I do nothing but duplexes on up, uh, including small buildings, but being you know, 12, 18, 20. But when you start looking at the numbers and you talk, you know, we, we do this thing every Thursday night, the 40% ROI. Uh, so that's 40ROI.com. Uh, thanks for the unashamed plug there. Uh, we do that every week, but that's all about getting the property at the right price and there being a demand that has a terrific market value. And that's what created the Thousand Family Initiative. It's more than just, hey, let's go out and make some great money, which you can do. But let's have an impact on the communities that we support, that we do business in, the communities, communities that support us. Uh, and so that's where the Thousand Family Initiative came from. And today we're going to talk about different ways that we can provide those types of housing 
to low-income housing and different programs that are available. And we're not even gonna scratch the surface with the number of programs that are available for this and different ways that we're able to benefit from them. Now we're gonna talk about some different ways uh, different types of strategies that we maybe have not talked about enough or a lot. We are going to dedicate shows consecutively after this one to talking about some of those specific strategies and how they work and, and how to get started on some of those as well. We're up on a break, so we're going to take a break and we're going to continue with this in just a second when we get back. And we are back with the Investor Guys podcast. And today we are talking about low-income housing and a commitment that Bill and I, a personal commitment that we're making uh, to provide as much as a thousand or more units available for low-income housing. Now, me personally, I'm going to try to add a thousand more units on top of the Section 8 and other projects that have mostly Section 8 uh, this year. And that's 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 that is an ambitious, ambitious uh as I did the math on this, by the way, we're talking about 20, roughly 22, 3, 4, 5 units per week in order to do this. So this is going to require some big projects in order to get this done. Now, for me, I'm going to say projects that I, I, I have started. So if I get into 2023 and I don't have exactly a thousand, but there's a thousand that are going to finish up that we started in 2022, then I'm okay with, with that solution because 20, 23, 24, 25 uh, units in a week for just low income on top of everything else that we're doing. That's, that's very, very ambitious. Uh, and like I said, I did the math on that. Uh, so let's talk about some of the different, some of the different programs, first of all, that we can get involved in that are low income programs that are going to be beneficial to us, how we're going to be able to benefit from that. Now, Section 8, we've talked about Section 8 so much, we're not even going to bother with that. If you throw a dartboard at any of our shows, chances are it's going to be something about Section 8 because we, we both love Section 8. Let's yep. talk about how we can get, um, we've talked about tax credits here. I want to talk about that too, but let's talk about how we can get government grants for building and reappropriating space for low-income housing. Uh, the federal government offers grants. These are usually in the forms of money that you don't have to pay back, uh, low-interest loans, um, loans that can be forgiven once you reach a certain threshold as far as uh, completion or whatever else. If you are providing uh, low-income housing, so construction of low-income housing, or if you are converting, say, an old warehouse space to housing space, and that's what I love that in, in urban cities, um, those are one of the things I love is seeing old, uh, they call them gray fields and brown fields. They're old warehouses, old factories that have been converted into uh, living spaces. They've been converted into commercial spaces, office spaces, whatever it is. I like that because they're holding on to history. Um, they've got a great yeah. story to tell, and they make for really great urban looking uh living situations and office situations and everything else, you can often find uh, factories and warehouses as long as they're not sitting on an EPA super center type of situation uh, for dirt cheap because there really isn't too many uses for them now in today's age of automation. A lot of these factories in the Rust Belt and in other cities were built in literally the 1800s and they were built when they had these 
big giant machines and thousands of people working in there. Uh, and now that same job can be done by a couple of people and a couple of small machines. Uh, so these big giant factories are just sitting empty and just decaying and they're built out of brick, they're built out of concrete, they're built out of stone uh, because they had all this heavy machinery in them. They're just waiting for somebody to come in with a vision and convert it into me personally, I love mixed use, but you could do just residential and you could make all or portion of that residential available to low income housing. And if you do that, that is considered building. That is considered a construction project, just as if you were breaking dirt on new ground to build a project and you qualify for a number of different federal grants and loans and everything else. And I'm going to hand this off to Bill in just a second. But if you don't know how to tap into those, the first place you're going to start is at your local city council, your local mayor's office. Okay. You're also going to contact the state on that. And you're also going to contact a grant writer. Okay. The grant writers, they know exactly how to research it, where to find it, and exactly what your grant submission needs to say. It is worth paying somebody a few thousand dollars to put that together so that you can get those grants and you can get those loans with it, with their proposal. Now I'm going to hand the football off to you. Uh, continue on that thread. So um, when we started looking at that, there's, there's two primary specific places that I think each of us should go. You should go down to the housing authority. I mean, that may seem obvious. We'd be amazed how many people don't do that. Go down to the housing authority, make sure that you're known and that they know what you want to accomplish. And as they know that, you simply just ask them about the programs that are available because they're not available in, in most cases citywide. They're available in specific areas of the city. And so you want to find out what those are. You're looking for opportunity zones. You're looking for where they have um, money, green money, where they have money to, to replace windows, to replace commodes. Fort Worth has been doing this for years. I'm sure many, many, many other cities have. Uh, where you can go down and, and you can and tell them you're rehabbing a property that has an old commode in it, and they will give you a brand new commode. Um, you have to install it. Well, gee, if you're uh, in real estate, that's not a big deal. Of course, you and I aren't going to do that. Uh, but they will give you a water-efficient commode. Just give it to you if you will put it in. And so you let them know the address of the property. You fill out some very minimal paperwork and new commodes. And a lot of times you can find window programs like that as well. Now, again, they are typically area specific, but for the properties that we're going in on rental properties, uh, these are typically the areas that this stuff is available for. So the housing authority is a great place. Also, the city planner's office and get to know them and let them know, here's what you're trying to do. How does that fit where is the city looking at? Because a lot of times the city itself will create a program uh, just for their city that is funded locally. And if we go in and, and we start investigating these things, you find out there's just some great opportunities. Um, and you talked about grants, grants are terrific and, and uh, low income loans or, or low um, interest loans, not low income loans, but low interest loans. And a lot of times the cities or have a, a significantly easier prospect in creating a low interest loan than they have in creating a grant program that may have to have uh, passage by the city council. Uh, same thing, uh, a lot of times uh, when we see expansion going on, um, 
will have, uh, and there's a really good friend of mine that has a company that does this and it gets into all kinds of different things. But when the city's going to go buy more buses, when they start talking about putting a bond initiative together, that's a royal pain in the tush. Uh, and it goes through, it's an incredibly expensive process and it may not pass because it has to be voted on by the voters. So what he did was he created a, a company that goes in and leases buses to the city, just as all kind of equipment. And in doing that, the city's not required for that to go before the voters. The, the city council can simply decide on that and, and they go do it. So he's got this huge business. Well, a lot of that kind of money becomes available for things that you and I do. So you ask for the city planners and you're just, you're inquisitive as to what can I do to help? What can you do to help me? And you also wanna make sure that uh, you are very familiar with what's going on in the housing department, uh, the housing authority, and many times those are not in the same building, but uh, get to know the people at the housing authority. They're gonna be great friends of yours. We're up on a break, but when we get back, I wanna talk about tax credits. We talked about tax credits before, but I'm gonna talk about a twist that we haven't addressed before. And we'll be back in just a second. Learn more about the Investor Guys podcast, including upcoming events and appearances at www.investorguyspodcast.com. That's www.investorguyspodcast.com.